0: But um, like I think there has been uh, a, a bit of uh, a bit of an awakening, but at the same time, I feel like it might move towards uh, again political blame game, where you know PTI uh, um, fo- uh, followers. Have like have, have started blaming the Sin Government or, or or People's Party and the People's Party followers blame MQM and then MQM blames you know like so so the the, the followers are blaming each other now but uh, there there has been uh, like an, uh, an awakening and I feel like if things don't change in the next uh, year or so or at least if if, if you know like uh, uh, there needs to be a show that. Um, the government is, has made some efforts because if no efforts whatsoever are made, and the same thing happens next year, I think that'll be that'll be a breaking point, and a lot more people will be out on the streets uh, protesting than they were right now.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Pakistanomics. Um, this is an episode that's going to take us a bit deeper into one of the most informal, ununderstood, or poorly understood segments of Pakistani society, which is the trash economy. And a lot of work has happened in understanding this sector, but in mainstream media, it's rarely covered. The only time you'd hear about Pakistan's trash problem is when cities like Karachi or other large metropolitan areas literally sink under a pile of garbage. And so, to talk about this today with me, I have with me Emma Chabbar. Emma is the founder and CEO of Garbage Can, an organization that provides uh, waste management solutions to several schools and businesses. It does uh, work in the recycling management business with established restaurants and works with households to have a door to door program to grow awareness of and start increased recycling of products across. Uh, many parts of Karachi. Um, So, uh, Emma, first of all, thank you for taking out the time. And I want you to first begin by um, talking a bit about Garbage Can and what the mission and vision of the organization is before we jump into what you've learned about the trash economy over the years
0: right uh thank you so much Uzair for um having me uh and um well so available cz- filter- and everything as well but uh you know like and as they say safiimana um so but we'll, we won't go into the religious aspects of it and we're gonna go straight into um like the uh, like how trash works uh, in in in, pa- in in karachi and pakistan um okay so garbage can i started in about 2016 and i started that because for the last two or three years before that about 2014-2015 um there was a lot of noise or like, a, uh, there's usually a lot of noise every couple of years about what people want to do about trash, um, like, and and um, the some segments of society then blame others, or the the, the opposition blames uh, the government that they're not fixing the trash problem, and so on and so forth. But um, in the 2015, twenty fifteen twenty sixteen um, uh, uh, time. Um, there's another organization called Fix it and they had you know really hyped up the issue and uh, for, for, for example they dumped uh, trash in front of the governor's house and so on and so forth as well. Um, and uh, I was in the in, in the US from 28, from 2008 to 2016 and then I moved back to Pakistan in 2016 and I was like, and I went and met with uh, the head of the organization, Mr. Uh, Alan Khan, the, the uh, who's currently an MNA now. Um, and I asked him, like, why is is he not going towards a more sustainable um, uh, solution? Uh, you know, like because he he was he was raising the uh, the trash issue. So I asked him why he wasn't proposing a more sustainable um, solution to it. Um, but he he said that okay, yes, we are we to get into it. We'll think about it, and so on and so forth. And that's when I realized that you know, uh, like, I'm not so sure about. Um, whether they're really serious because the the, the uh, chief minister was saying that we we need to solve the trash issue as well the mayor was saying we need to solve the trash issue as well um so i just went quietly went about uh, starting my own uh, small uh, entity called garbage can um even though uh, actually the the head of the synth solid waste management board had told uh, had told me that all trash belongs to the synth province so you know no local company can really um uh can really work within this sphere so i was like, all right like I'm, I'm not going to work with with um uh the districts or the cities and everything i like i will work uh, directly with organizations so currently that's so that's how i started basically started garbage can and then i started following uh the scavengers i started following the jamadars uh the sweepers I ended up in the Afghan colony. I ended up in uh, Jam Chakra, Ibrahim Hedri. These two are the the largest landfills um, in Karachi. Um, And then I learned quite a lot about the informal sector, the formal sector, about the recycling industry, the waste management industry. And since then, I've been formally uh, learning more about uh, waste management as well. So currently, Garbage Can um, has three main uh, services. I guess, like, I, I call it the garbage can ARC. It's it's lucky that, you know, they made that act, uh, the ARC, uh, the abbreviation. So A stands for awareness, as you mentioned. We go to universities, uh, schools, even uh, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. We, you know, do activities with them and uh, even professionals as well. Um, and R stands for recycling management, which is purely recyclable items, cardboard, plastic bottles, aluminum, metal, other metal, and so on. Um, And then C is comprehensive waste management, where we we manage the entire waste uh, of whatever organization that we're working with.
1: So, you know, you, uh, there is... Growing up in Karachi, I remember and seeing, not fully understanding, but seeing and noticing that there is a whole underclass associated with waste and waste management and recycling. Um, You've been to the big sites where this happens and I remember speaking to you and you had some stories to share about how there is a whole criminal element associated with it, works mm-hmm. in collusion with government governments or political leaders and things like that mm-hmm. and not at the big level, but at the local micro level. Um, so just mm-hmm. tell us, tell, tell the person who's listening who doesn't understand much about the waste economy in a place like Karachi okay. and it, uh, it replicates across Pakistan. How does this really work? Like how does someone trash that a jamadar or a sweeper that picks up from your home end up in mm-hmm. this landfill site and what what all happens to this trash in the process uh, and after it ends up in this landfill site?
0: Okay. Um, first of all, I'm, what I'm going to say is like in, in, initially when we were starting this conversation, you mentioned that um, the waste management industry um, in Karachi isn't very well understood. The issue is that it is very well understood, but um, not much is being done about it. Uh, and, uh, like, and that's where the, like, uh, uh, I believe the, 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 criminal element, uh, like comes in as well, or like even the, a little bit of the incompetence of the, of the people that are in charge or, you know, like there, there aren't any proper policies and so on and so forth. So, um, I'll start with, you know, like when you, when you start putting at the thread of, uh, you know, of, of the garbage issue, you get to child labor. Which is extremely, you know, obvious because there's uh, several eight to ten year olds uh, with bags on the on like on their backs and uh, they're are scaven- scavenging waste off of the streets and taking them to the uh, to the recyclers and everything. Then there's a uh, women's role um, in managing waste as well because about seventy three percent of the uh, of the uh, primary waste manage- uh, managers in the world are women. And recycling, of course, uh, uh, like selling recyclable items because they afford value um uh you know like grants them or gives them extra resources that they can run their households with um then there's uh, like a perpetuation of drug addiction uh like if, if you walk around walk along the streets of Karachi, you'll see <clears throat> many uh, homeless people and like people who are addicted to drugs they uh, have plastic bags in their hands and within those plastic bags there's uh you know aluminum cans plastic bottles and so on which they sell in return for drugs um, then associated with the child uh, labor issue, there's also uh, pedophilia involved uh, because a, a lot of these areas they aren't you know uh, very um, they aren't very well off and uh, like a, a child's value I guess in is in what they can bring to the table, um, which would be either. Trash itself, or unfortunately, like I said, you know, pedophilia. Um, Then there's the security issue, and then there's also the mafia, there's, uh, because there's value in recyclable items. There's a whole lot of uh, you know turf wars involved. That this is where we're going to be picking up trash from. This is where we're going to be picking up trash from, and so on. So in 2017, uh, the like uh, in just within the USA, the recycling industry was worth $63 billion uh, annually. So so you can imagine uh, how big or how valuable the recyclable items are. And um, in Pakistan as well, almost 90 to 95% of the recyclables do get recycled. But the question is how they're getting recycled. Because you know, like all, all the issues that I mentioned. Oh, oh, sorry, like I I forget, I like I forgot. There's also the rural to urban migration issue, and then there's also the refugee crisis. Because, uh, sorry, like I'll, like I I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. So yeah, so you can see how uh, much money there's involved in it. So because of the uh, refugee crisis and the rural to urban migration issue. Um, there's a completely separate informal industry that's being run uh, and then of course there's the formal Sin Solid Waste Management Board or KMC or the public uh, um, industries or you know, like the, the, the private industries that have been hired by the, um, by the government those are being run. so for any waste management uh, company to be successful uh, both general waste management or municipal waste management and recycling management need to go hand in hand They need to be integrated like they are in Singapore or Japan, or slowly um, uh, they're moving towards that in the U.S. as well. Whereas in Pakistan, they're completely split. The informal industry is looking at the recyclable items and the formal industry is then, you know, uh, laden with with the burden of processing the, the waste that's basically useless. Can I quickly interrupt here because it's
1: just a follow up question. So when someone comes to pick up trash at my family's home in Karachi, that's the CVC Mm -hmm. that comes in, they come in every few days, sometimes mostly on everyday basis, the Jamadar who comes in, the janitor who takes care of the neighborhood, and he's an informal employee, he doesn't work with the government, right? But he goes Mm -hmm. to this designated spot and drops off everyone's trash over there. Now, from there is when the CBC picks it up and takes it to the landfill site, right? Now, Mm -hmm. is it, I presume that because the whole thing is separated, it's not like anyone in my neighborhood at least is recycling or sorting the recyclables out. So either the informal part of the system comes in at that drop-off spot outside the neighborhood where recyclables Mm -hmm. are picked out, or does it also Mm -hmm. happen at the landfill site, which is where the... KMC or the CBC drops off its entire truckload mm-hmm. and people work like where, where what are the different points at which sort of i wouldn't say they meet but the the two sides of the economy intersect with each other
0: <clears throat> um both at the at the drop off site outside just outside your neighborhood and uh, at the landfill itself <clears throat> because uh so the, the the drop-off sites outside your neighborhood um internationally they're known as transfer stations or like that's how it's supposed to work uh there, there's door-to-door collection then there's a smaller neighborhood neighborhood transfer stations then there are larger district-wide transfer stations and then in the end they go to the landfill that's how it's supposed to work but as as we've noticed in Karachi, uh most like most of the trash just goes out into the katra communities that are outside and from there like uh, slow and slowly and steadily, about sixty to seventy percent of the waste makes its way to the landfills. So what happens at the katcha or the transfer stations? Um, that's where you know uh, this mafia thing and the scavenger thing like, becomes very obvious. Um, that those Kundis, even though there's, they're really unhealthy, and uh, everybody tells, uh, you know, like every, everybody complains about them and wants them to be removed from the city, but those are rented out storage spaces, basically. Who are they rented out to? Uh, the scavengers. Who are they rented by? We don't know, because uh, of course the CBC or the KMC or the Sin Solid Waste Management Board or any of the 16 or 17 various organizations that are supposed to look after the municipal waste. Again, that's that's a huge issue as well, like the the coordination between the sixteen organizations or seventeen organizations, and so on. But someone from those organizations rents out those storage spaces, or they should, you know, if if they're not renting it out, then they should remove it. Um, What happens is the trash comes over there. The scavengers given about two to three days to pick up, to pick up or pick out the recyclable items from there, and then the rest of the trash just lays there. And then after those two or three days, the CBC, or the Solid Risk Management Board, um, the public entity, like they come in, they pick up the trash, and then they take it to the landfill. So what's happening over here is that the, um, the money or the valuable items, the recyclable items, is going into the informal sector. They're paying rent to somebody within those organizations, and that rent is going into the pockets and not into the, into the treasury or into the government sector. And then, uh, the, the, the public entity or uh, like is basically, you know, burdened with picking up the trash and just taking it over there. Sure. Then they're getting taxes and stuff, um, like from, uh, from the general population. But then again, that's very inefficient for any even public, um, waste management company to be successful Both the tax, structure and the recycling uh, thing needs to go hand in hand. And so again, I'll put on my economics hat
1: here before we go to the landfill side, which is mm-hmm. so someone is paying off somebody <clears throat> to own this transfer station, essentially, right? right and right. then they use informal labor, mostly child labor, as we've all seen, right? That, goes to that big bag and they in two days, mm-hmm. clean it out in whatever way mm-hmm. they can. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. they get the cuts <clears throat> on their feet and pick up diseases and all sorts of stuff. But exactly the rental the, the rental for that space has a profit margin associated with it because that's why the money keeps flowing. So when right. I have grown up in Pakistan, those transfer stations, no new investments have occurred. It's just a four, you know, four-wall fence, essentially, with a big gap mm-hmm. in between where the truck can come in and deposit the trash. So mm-hmm. this there is the resource and the monetization of that resource that has happened. The fact of the matter is that has happened formally. So the investments needed to upgrade the transfer mm-hmm. station, so to speak. It does not happen because there's a whole underground economy linked to it which means that we can continue to right. do it the old school way am i right in, in in that sense that there is a resource revenue collection that's happening here it's just that it's not <laughs> been formalized um, to make it actually a better uh system to manage yeah
0: yeah absolutely uh absolutely and that's what i'm trying to push for as well i want the informal sector to be integrated into the formal sector. That's how we can combine both the waste management and the recycling management uh, industries. <clears throat> so uh, for example, one, one of the organizations that I worked with, I'm not going to name it um, because I've, well, I mean, I've, I've named it several times before, um, but one of the organizations that we uh, used to work with, um, uh, a lot of scavengers used to come in over there. So um, when we offered that we'll, we'll start cleaning up over there as well, and uh, we actually don't charge this organization uh, for clean-ups. we've basically adopted that space. Um, the very first question that I was asked was, what what are we going to get in return? And I told them, well, you're going to get a clean university in return. I mean, you should be paying us for the service of cleaning uh, the, the the space up, but you, you're you going to get uh, like a clean space in return. Um, I actually let slip one word, but anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's OK um but uh then after about a week or so uh like our one of our vehicles got towed and then when i went in there i got beaten up by about you know five or six of their guards the reason why that why that happened was um when the scavengers were picking up recycled items from over there they were just picking up the recycled items they were not cleaning um the rest of the space or they were not picking up trash from the rest of the space so, for example, let's just say that they were picking up recyclables worth a hundred thousand rupees. Um, even if they if if they pay their guys' the salaries and everything, they're they're left with 50, 55,000 rupees. Say, and um, uh, when they uh, and so with with those fifty thousand rupees, they can pay off the guards or they can pay off whoever's in charge or like of of those guards. Whereas what we were doing was. Uh, and we're actually doing uh, doing now, because we, uh, that, that, that was way back in 2017, and we have a proper MOU with them now. What we're doing is we pick up the recyclables, and whatever money that we get from the recyclables, we hire sweepers and janitors from there, and we make sure that the space is uh, clean, that space is clean. So we're not left with any money money to give to anyone and that's why they they were uh, pissed off initially but then like like eventually now that the the entire globe is moving towards sustainability and you know climate change and uh, environmentally friendly practices like I I think they they came around but that's where the mafia lies and that's where the the, uh, model of the transfer station the, the existing model of the transfer station lies which is why um you know you see all of these kachra kundis in several neighborhoods and nobody's doing anything uh, about them so okay and so yes. from the from the transfer station now this trash pile
1: that has come from my neighborhood let's argue has mm-hmm. been in this transfer station for a couple of days the scavengers have picked out whatever is valuable for them in their own way and now it's dumped mm-hmm. to the landfill site right so what happens now at the landfill site? Because I have, again, read about and heard that, again, there is a criminal element there. A lot of stuff happens on that landfill site mm-hmm. as well. And you've been to these places. Um, so just tell us a bit about what happens to this pile of tracks <coughs> that now finds itself into these two big
0: landfill sites in Karachi. Oh, um, there's a, there's definitely a whole economy over there as well. And a lot of scavengers. Have their um, homes over there as well, you know, like and kids grow up that like they are born in those homes and they grow up knowing just that uh, job. Um, so not like the 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 process of the, the like that that the that happens at the transfer stations, the scavenging process that isn't entirely efficient, and there's a lot of recyclables that are left over or like uh, with, within that trash. So when that reaches the landfill sites. The, the remaining recyclable items get picked up and um, also we need to keep in mind that there's other uh, special um, wastes as well, uh, such as uh, electrical items electronic items or uh, medical waste and so on, the, the, there are stories as well and like i've, I've seen it a couple uh, like. A couple of times myself, that uh, the medicinal waste, for example, syringes or uh, drips and everything. We actually tried working with the hospital to start recycling them. Like what, what we were doing was we would just pick up the the clean, the non-infectious, non-hazardous one. We were uh, we were working with the infect uh, with the uh, infection control department. But in the end, I had to stop it because eventually when we even when we sent the clean drips uh, onwards to get recycled, they were getting mixed with the remaining drips that were somehow get reaching the landfills and then the uh, the, the recycling sites such as Shesha or Highway. Um, so like how they're reaching the, uh, those sites. I mean, well, know, some, like, sometimes, I mean,
1: sometimes they wash ashore in, in on sea view in Karachi, and
0: then you have Shanira Akram or Wasim Akram making a video before it gets cleaned up. So, exactly, and I mean, th- and that's great that they make those videos, but then again, that's not a that's not a sustainable that's not a sustainable solution. And I'm hoping to create something that's you know long term and sustainable.
1: So, so that begs the question then, I mean, Karachi is a huge city. It has several, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a Byzantine governance model. The Sin Solid Waste Management Authority has tried mm-hmm. to do it, things its own way. Contracts have been given to Chinese organizations. The CBC mm-hmm. runs its own thing. Yeah. I would argue like, okay, in something like waste management, you need a coordinated system for sure, like a city like Karachi. Absolutely. But a Byzantine system, at least in a situation where nothing exists, Can lead to competition and innovation where the CBC tries something new and KMC tries something new and someone else tries something new but that we don't see that in in a city like Karachi either so from your perspective as someone who's worked in this industry like what are the major barriers for why Karachi does not have a integrated solid waste management program overall it's been decades that this is an issue that's been going on so Mm -hmm. what's... Money, as you clearly explained, in, in the entire process to be made, there's a business plan to be executed. So why mm-hmm. is it that we're still where we are?
0: Um, I think I think it's uh it's because of political will. And also it's just easier to run this system as it's you know, as it's being run. Um, because nobody really has to take responsibility in that sense, even though. This like the 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 public uh, sector or the or those in charge, the powers that be, they do have to take responsibility. But now people are so unfortunately so used to living in uh, within trash that uh, they don't really care much. And then like every every now and then you see that there's a oh like let's keep Karachi clean drive. Oh there's a there's another clean up drive going on at the beach or somewhere else. So um, the people see these. Um, efforts and they're like, oh, you know, like they, the they're doing such a good job. So basically, they're they're playing politi- um, uh they're playing politics with um, the the trash issue. Uh, like if 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 you remember just recently, uh, Mayor Wasim uh, Wasim Akhtar uh, challenged um, the the previous the, the ex mayor uh, Mustafa Kamal that oh, if you can clean up our trash within within like like a few days, I'll give you my entire force and everything and then he did give give uh him the entire force and instead of a actually hard it, yeah exactly for a for a complete day he did that and then he took all the force back so i mean it, it's it's that's what it is and then with with those 16 or 17 or how many organizations various organizations that are working in <clears throat> they do not coordinate um the cbc as you know is under i mean it's it's under the cantonments. Uh, and that's where the military uh, comes in. Since all it was management board is provincial, and that's where P- Pakistan People's Party comes in. KMC is, of course, uh, like was mainly run by run by uh, MQM and so on, the, the the local governments. So as as you know that they're political uh, opponents, and yes, I am calling the military political as well because well that's uh, that's how it is. Um, so they they don't want to coordinate. Whereas how it should be and how it is globally, um, uh, it's it like, as, as you said, it's integrated. The federal government or the national government, they they set out guidelines. Guidelines would be as simple as we want things done in an environmentally friendly manner. And uh, to we want to avoid or we want to mitigate the effects of climate change. Then uh, the, the uh, provincial government, the state government, um, they basically create policies according to to uh, those guidelines, the policies could be as simple as recycling. Like everybody has to recycle, you know. Like it, it, it could be as simple as that. All uh, medical waste will be properly recycled, will be properly cleaned up, and uh, you know, like either e- either um, incinerated or recycled, and uh, or plastic bottles will be recycled, uh, or, uh, the or the Liari or the korangi uh nadi like in, in, instead of dumping plastic in, uh bags and everything in there you will you know pull out those plastic bags and so on um one of the policies that sin government recently made was that um, the microns of the plastic bags will be increased so that the amount of plastic bags uh, like are reduced and um the value of the recyclables within those plastic bags the the, the, the recycled plastic that's increased so a lot more plastic is getting recycled. So that's one example of uh, a policy. And then the third will be uh, the local government. Say like if there's six or they're going, going to create a seventh district as well in Karachi. Every district will have you know like a, a separate company that's working. Or even even if there's one company you know working in all six or seven districts, then they will they, they will be responsible in actually carrying out the waste management. And they'll be answerable to the, 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 the provincial government and uh, or like, authority and that provincial authority will be answerable to uh, to the federal authority, so my my basic demand is the very minimum demand is that. Um, we need to stop playing politics with with trash, and I think everything else will fall in this.
1: And so, I mean, again, you're saying the same thing as I heard yesterday from or day before yesterday from a couple of guests. The conversation was on taxes collected out of Karachi and how Karachi's mm-hmm. markets pay far, far, far more than any other markets in the country. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we were like, well, if Karachi, there is no resource constraint, seemingly, then mm-hmm. why is public service deliveries poor? And the answer was, well, mm-hmm. it's a political economy issue. And I hear you saying the yeah. same thing in, in a place like yeah. Karachi. Um, but you know, again, we it seemed that there was a breaking point this monsoon season. You were out in defense and in Kharadar and mm-hmm. different parts of the city pumping literally mm-hmm. sewage out of people's homes. Um, and mm-hmm. it affected defense as much as, if not more so, than the other parts of the city. Um, and so right. you know, there was this elite elite barrier was broken down. Mm-hmm. Do you think from mm-hmm. your experience being on the ground and, and doing all this work during the monsoon season that There has been an awakening among segments of society that this is a structural issue that they need to fight structurally versus just to clean the seaview drive and get a bunch of tractors to come in and pick up the trash? Or is it still, Mm -hmm. are we back to business as usual um, after the damage that was done
0: under the rainfall? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> well, it's 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 funny as far as as far as the CVU cleanup drives and everything is concerned. You have to get a uh, you sometimes you have to get an N O C when there are larger organizations uh, involved. So as soon as you get an N O C, the very dip, like the 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 night before, the C B C sends their tractors and everything and cleans up that area. So by the time the the Citizens are there to clean up. There's nothing left to clean up, so it's 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 a it's funny, but um like I think there has been a a, a bit of a, a bit of an awakening, but at the same time I feel like it might move towards a, again political blame game where you know PTI uh, um for uh, followers. Have like have, have started blaming the Sin government or, or or People's Party and the People's Party followers blame MQM and then MQM blames you know like so so the the, the followers are blaming each other now but uh, there there has been uh, like an, uh, an awakening and I feel like if things don't change in the next uh, year or so or at least if if, if you know like uh, uh, there needs to be a show that um, the government is. Has made some efforts because if no efforts whatsoever are made and the same thing happens next year, I think that'll be that'll be a breaking point and a lot more people will be out on the streets uh, protesting than they were right now.
1: And so, uh, from from that perspective, then between mm. now and then, and the test will come obviously when the next rainfalls come in the monsoon season. Um, Mm -hmm. what are you doing in terms of either, whether with garbage can or outside of it, working with other organizations in terms of building grassroots awareness? I know we talked about sort of the recycling part of your arc, um, but on the awareness side, like, what does that look like? What kind of response do you get, uh, from communities that you engage with or organizations that you engage with? Do they get that this is a problem that they need to play a role in, or is it still like a convincing barrier that you first have to cross?
0: Um, now the, the, it's 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 a lot more easier to convince them, but there is a slight convincing barrier, but it's much less than it was before uh, uh, before previously, um, and now it's much better because the 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 uh, climate action movements uh, like are very strong in uh, or they they're starting to get very loud, um, at least in Karachi. Last year when we did the climate march, there were about five thousand people that had came, that had come out and so on um and uh, one of the things that we're like uh, again in in my very small capacity i'm not a very big organization we're a very small organization in my very small capacity one of the things that i'm uh, doing right now um is uh, we're trying to create a, a like a recycling and composting and uh, community garden facility um in an area called shafasil colony over there we're going to be recycling um and uh you know we're we're going to be working with we're working with the community and everything as well but we'll we're going to try and sort that in a in a cleaner manner um so that uh kids from various schools even kgs or you know lyceum or other schools and colleges or universities can come in and actually see that like see how that happens um and uh then we're starting uh composting as well and composting composting will be happening right there too so kids can like see that as well and then that compost will be used to make that community garden where the the the, the local community of Shafessel uh, will be able to you know like uh, pick out vegetables and fruits and whatever from, from there as well. So that's uh like uh, our awareness uh, bit and I'm hoping because Part of what I'm trying to do is to show new professionals or university students um, that this is a viable uh, profession to get to to get into to enter, because a lot a lot of uh, people don't like it because it's not clean or uh, there's not a lot of money in it or it's it's informal or you know, there's there's security issues and everything. But I'm trying to you know hopefully. Uh, Make it feasible enough that, that that people would be interested in joining this industry, um, and also if you've recently seen, uh, like I, I believe World Bank gave two hundred, I'm not sure if it was two hundred million dollars or if it was, I I believe it was two two hundred million dollars to uh, send government um, to create, um, you know, to 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 solve the waste management issue, and I, and I feel like that's very easily done. Because when I visited you, the, the, the first time I met you, like I guess, in uh, D.C., I was on a tour of the U.S. just going to landfills. So i had been to a landfill in, in Los Angeles. I've been to a landfill in Dallas, a materials recovery facility in Dallas. And uh, I was supposed to do that in New York as well. But then COVID hit, unfortunately. Um, so for about 14 to 20 million dollars, <throat> you can easily cater to uh, like a, a population of about uh, 10 lakh or 20 lakh uh, people, very easily, um, or even more if you if you do it, you know, properly. So, if the Sun government is serious about it, they can, you know, at least try and create a proper landfill. And, the, and like and I I'm talking about a scientific landfill where the leachate is removed, where the gas is removed, and energy is created as well. <clears throat> and um, you know like the, there's a proper a materials recovery facility right next to it so but a material f- a recovery facility is basically the, the point where recyclable items are pulled out uh of the waste so we're already doing it but we're doing it in such an informal unhealthy manner and it's open dumping that it's it's almost uh you know a, it, it causes a lot more damage than it actually helps so uh there, there are ways for Uh, the SIN government or the local government or even the federal government to show seriousness. And I hope that they do so as well in the next year. And I think you're right, right? You saw that expensive, like you've been to my place in DC.
1: It's a four apartment building. um, And we have a private company that comes in twice a week to pick up our trash and recycling. And we have to sort it out and put it in different baskets. Um, Mm -hmm. It costs uh, for the building $160 a month. So that's like $40 Mm -hmm. per apartment. It's not even in rupee terms. If you just directly convert and ask a household how much they spend on someone picking up the trash and then cleaning up their surrounding areas and all of that as a Mm -hmm. community, um, it's pretty much the same amount, if not a bit more, I would say, um, in terms of how much you spend overall if you add up all the pieces together of how you keep your community clean. Um, so clearly the business model um, is, not, is not that expensive and the investment upfront investment needed is in, is in uh, facilities and materials um, or the yep. equipment that you need. Um, but then if you have uh, monthly recurring revenue coming in from households that have to partake in this service, mm-hmm. um, it's not that hard to solve, especially the World Bank's giving you money. So I think the, it, it's more of a willingness uh, to solve versus a resource constrained issue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, globally, globally, the, the waste management industry is worth $264 or $265 billion right now. And um, by 2024, it's supposed to rise to $330 billion. So, I mean, th- there is a lot of money involved. It's just about, like, just about how well you do it uh, and, like, I mean, what, what, what facilities you're providing and so on. But then again, if you if you think about it, sure that there, there are uh, like I mean it's 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 about political will. But like I feel like the, the reason why they don't move towards it is because then they'll have to resolve a lot of those uh, other issues that they're trying to ignore. For example, the refugee crisis. So uh, like most of the people in, in in the recycling industry, they're they're Afghan refugees or they were Afghan refugees, and now their kids are doing it. Were born in Pakistan, but. They, they're not citizens they don't get id cards so they they cannot register companies so when they cannot register companies they cannot pay taxes and and they need a way to live of course so they so they 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 you know get involved with um the the, the informal industry so in order to actually bring them into the uh, for, uh formal industry they will have to do something about uh about the refugees they will either have to call them uh pakistani citizens or they will have to give them some sort of uh, work permits. So I think that's uh, it's it's something to that effect that's you know uh, actually stopping them. But then again, what's also stopping them is then of course like if the 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 money that some people are making actually starts going to the um government then they're going to be the, the, the a lot the a lot a lot more air muds
1: are going to get beaten up
0: <laughs> before
1: for disrupting <laughs> the status quo um you, exactly. you talked about money being there in the system uh what are some of the most valuable things that are picked out of the trash and recycled um that people actually yeah. like aggressively search for in the pile um
0: so there's three main uh, categories paper plastic metal of course and um as far as uh, municipal waste is concerned, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about industrial waste because industrial waste is again like a special kind of waste. But so as municipal waste is concerned, um, there's cardboard and paper, um, uh, and um, which is radhi paper and everything. And uh, cardboard is like uh, sought after because there's so much of it, and you know, uh, like in in the, in and every almost every shop has it, and uh, every. Uh, say MTR store which is basically like Walmart over here like they, they have it in huge quantities and everything as well then there's a uh, plastic pet bottles because um uh you know like everybody drinks Nestle Coke Pepsi uh, whichever um and then there's metal uh aluminum cans again Coke Pepsi or any other uh, any other uh, canned drink so aluminum is the most uh, expensive one within a solid waste management board so it'll be it'll be anywhere between 110 to 130 rupees per kg um mm-hmm. and that that's about uh, 100 120 cans as well the the, the 250 ml uh, cans um plastic bottles are about you know they they like the the price actually varies with season so in the in the summers because a lot more people drink uh, these beverages so uh, there, there's a lot more on the streets so the 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 price of the plastic bottles is cheaper whereas in, in during the winters uh, not many people drink these cold drinks and everything so the the price of the plastic bottles mm-hmm. goes up so right now like at the uh, like at, at the, uh, as we speak yesterday and today and uh, tomorrow as well like i believe that there's an entire um discussion going on and like as to what the price of plastics would be. It's interesting that the, the this informal industry behind the scenes is who sets organized. the price? Who sets exactly. the price? Exactly. The 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 all the larger uh, store like all, all the larger recyclers or the waste suppliers as they call themselves. They get together. There's a there's an entire uh, organization and everything That's as well. Cool. And then they set the price. There are also formal industries. Uh, for example, Chazelle uh, is was was a huge formal uh, recycling company and what they used to do is they they, they used to purchase all, all of these plastic bottles and everything and then hot wash them and then sell them to china so that's another thing as well uh, of interest like uh, uh, like as as far as so what what we've been talking about right now is you know the the the, the economics within karachi or within pakistan but all of these recyclable items used to go to China first. But uh, in in the last two to three years, China has stopped taking
1: recyclable yeah, items. Yeah, it's become or, a big issue here in the United States as well, because a
0: lot of it would go to China from here. Exactly. And that's what I noticed in March as well, when, when, when I was visiting uh, Dallas uh, Landfills and Materials Recovery Facility. A lot of <clears throat> the, the, the recyclable items were just lying there. Uh, otherwise, they would have gone all the way to China. So what's actually happening is that China used to allow 10% of waste and by waste, I mean, if, if for, for, for example, there, there's a plastic bottle that you're drinking out of and there's a, a, a little bit of the drink left. So that's waste weight or water weight. So China would allow about 10% of, you know, waste weight or water weight um, initially. But then the the last two or three uh, years they've they've made their policy a lot more stricter and they're like we will only allow one percent of waste of water in. And so how do they is- measure
1: that really quickly? Like, what's the? <laughs> is it just the whole bulk of this bag of water bo- bottles that is then put on a scale and they say, okay, this is how much it yeah. should weigh, and if it exceeds, it's not okay.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Because everybody knows like how much. Uh, what's it called. Uh, plastic is goes in one plastic bottle right and um when when they when they melt the plastic down they have to remove the, the they have to remove the tags they also have to remove uh plastic that is different from the plastic like industry that, that that's set for example uh, like a pet bottle uh, is different from the, the the cap that goes on top of the bottle mm. so uh, so yeah and, and then they have to remove the water and everything as well so they're able to measure the before and after. Uh, removing the waste. So that's what's happening and uh, uh, the entire um, uh, global market or global industry will shift. The markets will move from China to countries like Pakistan, India, South Asia, <clears throat> because I'm not so sure uh, if, if, if the USA or UK are going to set up re- uh, recycling facilities <clears throat> and you know process their own trash. And also because uh, processing trash over there is going to be a lot more expensive than just sending it over to poorer countries like us, and you're only having us process their trash. So, um, like recently, I, w- I was talking to one of the largest plastic uh, pet bottle manufacturing uh, manufacturers, and he mentioned that Coke and Pepsi by 2023, 2025 want to go to about 30 to 50 percent of recycled pet bottles, they're called our pet. Hmm. So a lot more industries are going to go up in, in Pakistan uh, as well. like The final recycling, breaking down industries and not just hot washing or flakes industries.
1: So again, there's an employment and an economic argument to be made for building up this sector. <clears throat> um, and it's a yeah. human argument to be made as well, because as we talked about earlier, you have children informal workers mm-hmm. working in this segment, and they need to be formalized educated if you 're a child, etc., to make mm-hmm. sure that they have the right opportunities and are not taken advantage Mm of. Um, I'm mindful of time, but like you mentioned that you got beaten up at a place that you were trying to disrupt. Um, I've heard some crazy stories from you when we met in March. So but for the audience, like share a couple of interesting and crazy stories that you now look back on (laughs) and say, wait a minute, I did not imagine that this is what would happen to me as I tried to like get a cleaner Karachi (laughs) building
0: (laughs) on my own. Right. Well, that that was one of the stories. The other one was I had just come back from the uh, from the U.S. in twenty uh, in uh, about April 2016, and I started doing my research and everything in uh, October, November, and I was following these scavengers, you know, the kids and stuff, and like, however xenophobic. I mean, like, I hope it doesn't sound xenophobic, but it does. I'm pretty sure that m- most of the informal sector is being run by by the Afghans. So, um, so I've, 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 I started following these Afghan kids, and I ended up in the Afghan colony. And by when I say colony, I mean actual colony where the women and children live. And these, like, and 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 I was wearing a jeans and t-shirt, and I was just I just drove up and like with my sunglasses and everything as well, and shoes and stuff. And I just got got out, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I'm just looking around. So this one Afghan guy, he comes up, and he just he grabs my arm and he, you know, points to my skin and he's like, aapko bhi ke pe okay, like, he just points to my skin and he's like, who even advised you to come in over here? Because the, 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 they're very private people. And like, it's, it's especially going into the colonies where the women and children are. Like, those the, those guys were really pissed off. But then but then I told them, like, I, like I tried to, I was like, hey, I'm just here to, to get work done. I want to work with you and so on. So, oh, chha, kaam, oh chha, you're here for business. So I, you know, they, they took me to their, uh, to their guest house and stuff, and then we we sat down and we we talked business and so on. Another thing that happened was nobody would um, let me into the storage spaces because they, they because they're very protective. Of course, they're, they're not following any standards. There's no licenses. There's nothing. So they're, they're really protective about like uh, uh, of their business. So I would go and ask them what the price was. And somebody would say, oh, it's two or three rupees, whereas in actuality it would be about 20, 25 rupees uh, per kilo. So um, again, wearing jeans and T-shirt or like sometimes now even shalwar kameez and everything, I was like, OK, maybe I need to. So I go in there and they're like, they, they won't let me in. I would go and I was like, my name is Ahmed. I would like to, no, no worries. So I one day I went with my driver and I told them that, hey, I'm going to be sitting in the car. You go inside and you tell them that Haji Saab is here to pick up uh, to 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 speak with your manager, and that's what he did. And the manager comes running out. It was like Haji Saab, please come in. Haji Sab, fake it till back. you make it. Right, that's the exactly. Exactly, it was absolutely faking it till uh, till I made it. And I was like, I've been to this storage space like three times in the in the last uh, month or so, and nobody would like the guard would not even let me in. And I just said like, oh, I'm some big shot or like Haji Sab or something, and they're like they're just welcoming me in. So it's, it was it was it was interesting. It's a it's an interesting interesting industry. Gotcha. I think you
1: should just grow out your moustache, give it a bit of a twirl and then maybe put a little bit of a spot on your head that you're a namazi as well and some betel nut juice on your lips before you go to these meetings to pretend as well. Have you had the chance to sit in any of these meetings where they set the rates um,
0: for these products in, in the informal market or not yet? <clears throat> um, not yet, because I'm, I'm, I'm still a very small player uh, within, within the industry. So like what I've noticed is that there are six tiers. Um, there, there's the scavengers. That's tier uh, tier one. Then there's the small shops. That's tier two. Then there's you know the, there's people who are able to collect about a ton or two tons in a month. That's tier three. Then there's tier four where they where where people collect about a uh, hundred or so tons in a uh, in a month and then they bale bail it as well, or they they make you know uh, large compact bales as well. And then there's tier five that actually crushes it and hot washes it. And then there's a sixth that actually recycles it. That's how the market is structured, the recycling industry is structured in Karachi. Um I, I'm somewhere between the third and the fourth. And I'm hoping to, you know, so so like I don't set the prices. The the, the prices set between the fifth and sixth. Uh, and I chip, mean six so. tiers is a lot, which means that there is a lot of money here because every tier has its
1: own profit margin that that takes a cut out of this, right? To sustain the operation that they're part
0: of. Exactly, and uh, that's why I believe that we, we need a we need an entire overhaul, and there's a whole lot of space uh, to do that. Um, for example, one one of, one of the things that I'm suggesting is that um, everybody like the, the, there should be a law that everybody has to recycle. What that'll do is that um, say post-consumer waste will then not be sold to the scavengers. So that gives you know like people who are actually recycling or people uh, or like companies like myself uh, a, a lot of room to actually purchase and then pay taxes on that as well and to you know sell it uh, sell it forward. So what's happening in Dubai, for example, I, I believe there's a uh, is it Diva or is it some other like a company? I'm completely blank blanking on right now. What what happens over there is outside these big malls and these shopping um, uh, areas, there's um, cages about ten feet by ten feet by ten. And everybody has to throw their cardboard uh, in, like in there. So it's it's basically a recycle bin. It's a giant recycle bin. And then this company comes in; they they, they pick up all the uh, all the uh, cardboard and then you know they, they they process it. But what's happening over here is a store like Imtiaz would sell the cardboard that they've already used. So of course, then MTAS takes some of that cut. But I don't think MTAS like uh, puts that money on their books because most of that is done um, uh, like with cash yeah. so like I mean I, I don't want to say that MTs is doing that but I know that there are several organizations that do not put uh, that money on their. well on I their mean books. you know uh, the,
1: the the paperwala who goes in the neighborhoods and everyone gives their old papers and telephone directories and things like that they're given some cash in return no one shows it on their income <laughs> statements right exactly exactly.
0: So, so there's a lot of room
1: for improvement. And I think in, in China, for example, you can actually pay for your metro rides using recyclable plastic bottles that you put in a machine. And yeah. I, I don't know the amount, but you put in a certain amount and you get a free ride. And I think that's, mm-hmm. again, one way to encourage you now that there is an orange <clears throat> line and a metro in every city except Karachi, in a way, Um, you can roll that out as well. Um, I think, I mean, this has been a fascinating conversation. I think, Ahmed, you're doing some fantastic work, even though you're in tier two or three, I think you'll move up really fast. (laughs) And, you know, maybe there's a book to be written there at the end of this entire journey (laughs) that you're on. But um, it's fantastic work. I continue to follow you on your Facebook and people tuning in, do check out and follow Ahmad's work because there is always, you know, a video or two every other day that tells you what's going on in the city of Karachi beyond the headlines that you may see in the news. So keep up the great work. Thank you so much for your time. It has been wonderful and informative to chat with you about the the trash and garbage economy in a place like Karachi and and wish you all the
0: best. Thank you so much. And I would suggest that anybody who wants to learn more about this should uh, read the the World Bank study called What a Waste. They also point out how uh, uh, waste is related to economic growth how waste is related to population growth, to rural to urban migration. For example, there's a a McDonald's in the city, but there's no McDonald's uh, in uh, in the village or in the countryside. So the city uh, makes a lot more waste. And again, with with economic growth, a lot more waste comes in. So countries like Japan and Singapore have successfully decoupled economic growth and waste generation. And that's what we need to uh, move uh, towards as well. And uh, thank you. With, with that, I would say thank you, there for having me, uh, you know, here. And I hope that I was able to uh, educate your viewers a little bit and like and uh, make a positive contribution towards uh, the awareness. No, th-
1: this was wonderful. And I will link the report down in the description on the podcast and on the YouTube page as well. But again, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.
0: Thank you.